This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Uh, we are busy with just speaking through the word for this year. And it's a very simple word. It's to seek first the kingdom of God. And uh, we find that in Matthew 6. Verse 28, I'm going to read it. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So there's seven things that he speaks about, that Jesus speaks about. In the context of worrying, uh, the word worrying is that they actually to be careful, to take care of your life. Um, sometimes, you know, as parents, we... Uh, we say to our children, especially they call it helicopter parenting these days where parents do too much for their children and say, no, be careful of this, be careful of that. It's almost like um, there's, a, there's such a fine balance between taking responsibility and between actually being overly careful, meaning you, you, you do things in fear. And when you do things in fear, you're almost like, no, no, don't go there, don't do that. No, no, be careful of this, be careful of that. But it's, it's, it's sort of a line almost to worry about our lives. And it's in this context of taking too much care of your own life uh, and worrying and being anxious and being fearful that Jesus brings this word. And so verse 30, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he asks this question, that he asked his disciples so many times, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Meaning that he challenges us and say, Are we, are we going to trust him? And then he goes on, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I want you to... Just speak this out with me and just say it after me, verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but our Heavenly Father knows what we need, and especially all these things that other people seek of. So isn't that amazing? God knows. Turn to your neighbor and say, God knows what you need. So He's not, he's not, he's not apathetic. He's not passive. God knows, your heavenly Father knows. And then he says in verse 33, But seek first two things, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He doesn't say seek first the kingdom of God and maybe His righteousness, or if you want late in your life. You have to seek those two things together, the kingdom of God, and then secondly, His righteousness. The English word is an imperative word, meaning that when you seek... The more you seek, the more you're going to find. And the more you find, the more you're going to want to seek because you're going to find more. So it's not like you seek and then you, you get it. No, it says like your whole life will be a life of seeking the kingdom of God. Your whole life will be a life of His righteousness. And, um, and so it's, a, it's imperative. Word. It's a word that continues. Welcome, welcome. Some people are just arriving. It's great to see you all. And, uh, and he says, then all these things shall be added to you. Isn't that amazing? God knows. God will add. But when you have the right focus of seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And then Luke 17, you know, the disciples asked. We saw that two weeks ago. Luke 17, verse 20 to 21. 
He says the people see the kingdom is going to be here and the kingdom is going to be there. But he says the kingdom of God is within you. That's where it starts. It starts like we also saw in Romans uh, with love, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom is when we start to, Jesus begins to reign in our hearts, in our minds, the way we think, the way we act, the way we live our lives. And um, so tomorrow morning when you go to work, uh, the kingdom goes with you. The kingdom is there with you. Why? Because it's already come inside of you. And so you can take the kingdom to work. And it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken because Jesus rules. It's not just where he rules, but where he reigns. And unfortunately, there is a whole doctrine called a kingdom now doctrine that says, hey, uh, God's kingdom will always come. You will always be healed. You'll always be perfect. But that's not really true. There's a kingdom that will be eternal. And um, we know we live in a broken world. We know we live in a challenging times. But, um, and so that's why sometimes our prayers are not answered. But we're not going to stop praying by faith. We're not going to stop praying by trusting God for healings. Before we go to the doctor, let's first go to Dr. Jesus. Amen? That's a great place to hoot your car. So because we realize we want Jesus to reign in our lives. And so this morning we're talking about righteousness, the second part. So he's seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And so I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. The first thing, there are four things that I want us to focus on. The first thing is God is righteous. Psalm 89 verse 14 to 17 says, His righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. It says it's a joyful sound. When you understand this, the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. God is a just God. God is a righteous God. His nature is holy. And therefore, His throne is built on righteousness and justice. Um, we want to sometimes just relate to God as a loving God, but He's first holy because He builds His life. His character is that of righteousness and justice and then he says so beautifully mercy and truth go before your face those two go together because if we just take truth we will destroy people if the truth is not spoken in love isn't that true so love and truth goes together and uh, so it's beautiful yet yeah, says mercy and truth goes together god releases his truth before his face, but then he's, there's always mercy for those who cry out for that mercy and who taps into that mercy. And then verse 15, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long. And in your righteousness they are exalted, for you are the glory of their strength. And in your favor our horn is exalted. It's a beautiful scripture with where the writer writes, the psalmist writes of this joy that goes before us when we understand God is holy, but He's a merciful and a truthful God. You know, it says it's, we walk in His countenance, the light of His countenance, you know. There are two groups of people sitting in cars here. There are some sitting in the light, and there are some sitting in the shade, okay. So, uh, <clears throat> bless those sitting in the light, um, because it's much more hot for you than those in the shade. But with, in God's kingdom, there's light. It's the kingdom of light. Uh, I had this intern lady, I think two years ago, 
she came to me, she said, Sias, your uh, jokes are a bit shady. I don't, still don't know what that means. But, um, you know, some are in the shade, some are in the light today. So I, I think my jokes are more caught by the people in the shade. But um, I took it as a compliment, you know. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey, uh, you are a bit shady uh, today. Because she said it was a compliment. So let's go for the shady compliment, okay. Um, so that's a flow joke, as they would say in any case. But so, you know, with God there's light and there's no darkness it cannot be hidden. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. You know, righteousness is in a continual relationship with God. And there's going to be a crown, a specific crown for us in heaven called the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Say a crown of righteousness. And then God will be the righteous judge. God is righteous. So that's so important that our righteousness and to meet with God, you and I need to stand in a right relationship with God. That's simply what righteousness means. There's certain qualification for you and I to approach God. And therefore, you know that you and I, we are not perfect. I don't know if you've read um, the news, but just the past couple of weeks, there's been a, uh, one of the heroes in the kingdom of God for, for me. And I'm not trying to knock the guy, but a world-known apologist. A lot of, lot of stuff has come out of his life that sort of seemed like a dark area. And I don't know if you, if, you, if you know that, but when great men of God would like fall or morally fail... It's sort of, it's not good for the kingdom of God, but you're almost like you're disappointed. Uh, and let me tell you, you are always, I'm always going to be disappointed when we trust in man for our salvation. When we trust in man for our righteousness. And it's, um, it's very, very, amen, that's a great place to hoot. So the shady people there on the side. But we can't trust in man for our salvation. We can't trust in man for our righteousness. We can't trust in our relationships. And this is so beautiful here in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 21. I'm giving us lots of scriptures this morning. Jesus has become for us righteousness. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to, to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. This is verse 21, we can, if you just meditate on that verse. He, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become. It's, it's a crazy verse, if you just think of that, that this holy, perfect God sacrificed his son. He knew no sin. He brought himself to a place of complete vulnerability 
so that we can be righteous before him. It's, it's crazy. And he says, in the context of now, also now, we can have this ministry of reconciliation to a world that is broken out there. We can be ambassadors for Jesus, but not because of our own strength, not because of what we bring to the table, but because there was one, Jesus, who became sin so that we can become righteous. It wasn't just, the cross wasn't just a forgiveness of sin. The cross isn't just about, hey, I'm going to go to heaven one day if I pray a little prayer. The cross was the most amazing place where my sinful nature can be exchanged for a righteous nature in Jesus. And so that's, that's so amazing. And that's why I can live for God. I can give myself to God. But if I don't understand this, then as a Christian, I will become self-righteous. And self-righteousness is crazy. Listen to this, what Tim Keller says, and it's here on the screen somewhere. Christ will do everything for you or nothing. He is either all of your righteousness or none. Christians, listen very carefully, Christians repent not only of their sins, but also of their wrongly placed righteousness. The moment when you and I rely on ourselves, then we're going to fall into religion. The moment when we rely on ourselves, we're going to fall into striving. I'm going to strive to be morally good. But Jesus said there's no good person on the earth. Did you know that? Turn to your neighbor quickly in the car and say, I just want to tell you, unfortunately, you're not good. According to God's standards, you are not good. Sorry, sorry. And don't enjoy it too much when you say it, okay? Don't point the finger. That's judgment. Just say it because Jesus said, there's no man that's good. There's no one that's good. Hey, Luan? Hey, Marlon? No, Marlon, point here to yourself, not to him. To Luan, come on, yeah, yeah, amen, you know. But see what, what happens, and, and somebody brought a word um, just before the service and said, like, there are many of us that feel discouraged, we feel tired, we feel burnt out in a sense um, that they even talk about COVID fatigue, you know. And, um, and, and so we are in that space where a lot of Christians are losing a bit of hope. But we will lose hope if we place focus on ourselves or our own righteousness. And then we become religious with God. We lose that freshness of our relationship with God. We, become, we strive to please God because it's really the focus is just slightly begins to shift to yourself. It doesn't focus on the finished work of Christ. And so the worst part of self-righteousness is when we fall into pride and we say, well, well, no, no, I'm better than that guy because I'm better than that girl. You know, I'm all right. I'm, I, don't need to, I, don't, I don't need to really trust God. And then we let go of really that dependency, that surrender to God, that freedom just to be a child of God. You know, we lose the joy of our salvation and, you know, something that, that is really amazing to me, and I want to encourage you. Go to people that has got like a testimony of really being in the world. They, they were in the world completely out there, and then they got radically saved. And go and listen to their testimony. Somebody like um, Stephen Lungu. I've never met somebody like him that really walked in the joy of his salvation. You can ask the, the, the team that was there with us in December, 
It is crazy, you know. Every, every day, everything is just wow. Wow. The food that he ate was just like, wow. What a privilege. Wow. God is good. You know, because that joy of your salvation is so amazing. The fact that I'm free, the fact that, you know, even if I'm sitting in a car this morning, even my circumstances isn't great, I'm free. There's, there's nothing I can add to that freedom that Christ has given me. And I want to really encourage you. Go and share your testimony. And uh, part of the homework that we have is to go and take communion together and pray the Our Father prayer. Just that freedom of not being self-righteous. Okay, so the last, last slide. Are you all still going? You're all all right out there? Okay. What, what, what produces or what's the fruit, and there are many other fruits of Christ's righteousness. When we walk in that place of, of living with Him and understanding that I can have a right relationship with God. You know, Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, Therefore boldly approach the throne room of God by the blood of Jesus. It's a new and a living way, he says, that we can come to God because I'm not a slave. I'm not an orphan. I've been set free. And I'm not having a false righteousness because there's also what they call a righteousness gospel. It's a, it's a gospel that is preached that says, hey, um, through my works, I'm somebody good. Through my deeds or because I belong to Shofar, I'm this great Christian. No, you, there's nothing. <laughs> there's no thing you can bring to God that qualifies you except the blood of Jesus, except the righteousness of Christ. But true understanding when you seek this righteousness, and remember, you have to seek it every day. You can't just say, hey, I got saved 10 years ago, and now I have the concept, the intellectual concept of righteousness under the belt, and I've got the 10 steps. No, simply, you have to seek it every day because there's going to be a challenge to live in that space. Your flesh is going to try and pull you away. But when we live in Christ's righteousness, you know, we have an intimate relationship with God and others. We live thankful lives. We live in real godly community. Listen to this. A life of gratitude for being saved is far more pleasing than a life based on self-righteousness over being good. You know, when we, when we try to be righteous according to our own standards, we're going to have the ministry of condemnation. We're going to fall into the law because it's all about rules. It's all about whether I'm good enough or not, whether I'm a great, you know, ethical person, and I'm a person of integrity, and those things are all important. But when we live in Christ's righteousness, we know true intimacy with God, because we are completely vulnerable and dependent on Him, because it's what He has done. It's not about us. We live in a life of thankfulness, of gratitude, a life full of wows, a life where we say, Thank you, Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and you have to repeat, finish. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, Martin. I will rejoice and be glad in it, you know. And I, I, I want to challenge us. Don't let the devil steal your joy in this time. Don't let the devil steal the intimacy and worship with God. He's going for, your, for our faith and He's going for our joy because He wants you to focus on your circumstances. He wants you to focus on yourself. He wants us to, to be self-conscious or be sin-conscious, but we need to be God-conscious. 
When we focus on Him, that's why worship is so important. That's why we enter His courts with thanksgiving. That's why we, we lift up, we put on the, you know, the gates and the walls of praise and salvation over our families, over our city. We say, hey, this is going to be a city of refuge. Why? Because God's kingdom is here and we understand true righteousness. It brings a freedom. It's not something we do because we are morally good. No, we are morally good just because it flows out of a thankful heart towards God. And it's not striving, it's not competition, because if you're going to strive to be a good person, sorry, you're going you're to struggle so much. Don't strive, surrender. Turn to your neighbor there in the car and say, hey, don't strive, surrender. Thank you for your enthusiasm over there. Marlon's car is making so much noise in front, so I'm screaming into this thing, but I realize it's just because I'm trying to hear myself, but praise the Lord, Marlon. We, we forgive you for the noise you're making in front. <clears throat> so, quickly before we're going to go on, I want you to be honest in the car. Just say maybe one thing where you are relying on your own righteousness. You, are, you realize like, true, in this area, even when it comes to my work or even when it comes to my finances, you know, I, I think I'm pretty good. I don't think I actually rely on God in this area. Maybe there's one area in your life. I want you to, um, to just be open if you are with friends in the car. Maybe say one area that you want to surrender to the Lord. I'm going to give you three minutes to quickly discuss that with somebody. Because I, if we rely on our own skills and our own, we become so dependent on ourselves and our own plans. And lots of people are making plans, but hey... Don't lean on your own understanding, Proverbs says. Trust Him with all of your heart. You know, trust the Lord with all of your heart. So I'm going to give you three minutes quickly to share that with somebody in the car or just maybe one area that you realize I've become self-righteous or I, I strive in my relationship with the Lord. Okay, great stuff. I don't know if you can see it on the screen, but we're going to go back to Psalm 89, verse 14 to 17. The second thing we're going to do, we're trying to make it a bit more practical. I'm going to read through the scripture again. Maybe you don't have scripture with you, but I want to think, think of one thing that stands out in these verses for you about God, about His people, that you want to pray for, for the church. For the children of God. And then we're going to spend two minutes just to pray this over the church. And especially for us as a church. But you can also pray for the other churches in Stellenbosch and in our nation. Because I think if we understand certain parts of God's character concerning the scripture. That God is righteous. God is just. Maybe you want to pray that God's throne will be established or the foundation of His throne in your life, or in your relationships, or in this nation of ours. <clears throat> but I, I want us to look at the scripture, and I want you to think, what is the thing that jumps out for you? And then you're going to pray that. Okay, so I'm going to give you time, but I'm going to read through it, just for the sake of those who don't have it in front of them. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth Go before your face. Verse 15. Blessed are the people 
who know the joyful sound. What sound? The sound of the mercy and the truth and the righteousness and the justice. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord. They walk in one thing, in the light of your countenance. The light of your countenance. When we pray, we say, Lord, bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them. Lift up your countenance over them. Lift up your glory, your face, your life over them. In verse 16, talking about the people, in your name they rejoice all day long. In your name they rejoice all day long. And in your righteousness, your people are exalted. Oh, and I like this one. For you are the glory of their strength. And in your favor, our horn is exalted. The favor of the Lord, the glory of the Lord that is our strength. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.